It's time. Time for what, you might ask? It's time to optimize your health and upgrade your life. Cutting-edge research, biohacks, ancestral wisdom, wellness, intuition, and more. This is The Synthesis of Wellness. Your host and biohacker Chloe Porter has a background in engineering, innovation, and research. Her analytical background coupled with her journey in overcoming a brain tumor and defeating several chronic illnesses enables her to approach health and wellness in an innovative way. And now more than ever, she is ready to share her biohacking secrets and expose cutting edge research. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the Synthesis of Wellness podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Synthesis of Wellness podcast. Today, we are very honored to be joined by David Milburn. David Milburn currently serves as VP for the Young Trust, a tech-focused VC firm, and the CTO of Hypoallergenic Air LLC. At Hypo Air, Milburn has spent 10 years solving some of the world's worst air quality issues for clients ranging from aerospace manufacturing facilities to hospitals in Brooklyn during the height of COVID. Over the last decade, he's assisted thousands of business owners, homeowners, and biohackers of all walks of life to solve their unique air quality challenges. So with that said, we are so honored to have David on the podcast today. So thanks so much for being here. Glad to be here. Happy to talk about these conversations. I know it can be confusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've had a lot of a lot of story going back to air quality as well. So I'm excited for this. Okay. Well, let's dig into it. I'll be curious to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I want to first start off with, you know, your story, what got you interested in air quality just in general? Yeah. I mean, originally we saw the potential of how it could impact commercial applications, Um, hospitals, food processing, you know, shelf life of produce, kind of keep people from getting sick. And then over the years, we gravitated to understanding air quality more for the home, especially. Um, And, you know, air quality is one piece of the puzzle. And for some people, it's a really big piece. Our homes especially are built almost with air quality at the the furthest priority. And so a lot of times our homes are almost designed to facilitate mold growth or poor air quality. And so we're trying to kind of reverse that. with modifications to the existing structure. But then at Hypeware, we're also looking ahead to see how could we build homes better? You know, how could we change how HVAC systems work, you know, materials that are used and explore that. And, and for me, my personal journey, it wasn't until years later that I actually connected the dots on how I had experienced really bad air quality, including mold toxicity. And at the time, I didn't connect the dots. I mean, when I went into a specific room overseas in Africa where I was working at the time, I would sneeze till I, I was bleed. And I, at the time, I was a relatively educated person. I didn't think about air quality at all. I, didn't, I mean, I just thought it was something I had to deal with. And so it was years later that I connected the dots. And that's been a lot of the people I talked to, too, where it's like, you don't necessarily think that what you can't see, smell, or experience is affecting you. And sometimes it is. So yeah, it's yeah. been a roundabout journey for me. Yeah, no, I can relate on a lot of levels. Um, being in a moldy apartment uh, during college. Yeah, so, you know, you don't see these things and you don't think about them. And we spend so much time just indoors. Yeah. And when we're outside, it's totally different. You know, mm-hmm. the totally. air is circulating, everything. But when we're inside and we're sleeping inside too. So, mm-hmm. you know, even if we're our job's outside, we're still coming in for at least 12 hours and, and yeah. that makes a huge difference. So yeah. And the air quality inside and outside is very dynamic. So it could be different in one room versus another room on your street versus down the street. 
in the evening versus the morning. I mean, it changes a lot throughout the day and it's not just like a single fixed number. Is it good or bad? Um, there could be some good parts or could be some bad parts. And so it is complex. And, you know, right now we just haven't invented technologies to give us a good snapshot of what, what's actually in the air. There's no air quality sensor out there that truly gives you that picture. And so when you look at the air outside during rush hour, it could be 50 times worse than an oh, hour before. And so like there's this huge fluctuations, including inside of our own homes. But our houses, unlike outside, our houses trap contaminants in. And in most homes, there's next to no countermeasures. So maybe you vacuum sometimes, maybe you open the windows sometimes. Maybe your HVAC system has like a low quality filter. Maybe you have a plug in air purifier somewhere, but there's very few processes that are removing contaminants. And so a lot of times we're trapping them in. Whereas outside, there's all kinds of processes taking place that are breaking down contaminants, removing them, purifying, filtering. And so that's that's the big difference that we see. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Now, what type of contaminants should we be on the lookout for? Like we, we already mentioned mold. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, out of a thousand people I talk to, probably a thousand of them have a unique experience in their own home than the people in their household. And so that's one of the things that's tricky is, you know, you could have something going on in your house that only one person is reacting to, and they're reacting very strongly to it. And so for a lot of people, it's going to be mold. Some people it could be allergens, dust, could be VOCs, chemicals. Um, there's all kinds of things that are going to be very specific to your home, to your body, to where you live, the time of the year. Uh, but, um, you know, it could be a lot of things. So we kind of break it down into uh, basically particulates, you know, physical matter, pieces of things. Um, some are big, some are small, you know, that could be everything from like a dog hair to a fragment of smoke or diesel exhaust or a fragment of mold. Um, there's also biological contaminants. So if you're in a hospital, something like bacteria is probably going to be a bigger concern than yeah. necessarily in your home. Um, if you're in like a dorm shower, maybe like in a college dorm, you know, there's some bacteria issues for sure. But, um, you know, obviously viruses can be airborne, but then the mold's one of the biggest ones we see for a home because that's something that can get so out of natural balance and the, the home facilitates mold growth that we, we see that as like a major um, unaddressed issue. Yeah. But I mean, it just changes. I mean, we have clients where the only way that they cool their house is they open the windows and they live next to a train station. So that's like unique or a steel factory, or um, you're in a beautiful part of, you know, like outside of Austin, but your neighbors have a farm and they're spraying a bunch of pesticides and you're reacting to it. So it's just gonna depend a lot on what's around you. And part of that is just educating yourself. What's inside your home, you can have some control over, like the source of contaminants, sometimes. Sometimes just how your home was built. But if you're an apartment or a multifamily, you could do as much as you can and your neighbors could be smoking all day, every day, and it's coming through your floors. And so it just depends on where you are, the kind of contaminants that are going to be kind of top of your list. Yeah, for sure. And that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Now, just to lay some context out for the audience, you know, what can, you and I both have a history of this, but you know, what can some of these contaminants do to us? on a biological level and like impact our health? The thing that we often see, and we're not a human body expert company. I'll just yeah. put that out there. We're environmental. And um, one of the things we often joke about a little bit is you might be sl sleeping poorly because of air quality or you're watching too much news. So there's lots of factors that play here. Um, yeah. Air quality can be a big part of it. And most of the time we see it as combining with other factors. So a history of toxicity, you know, allergic reactions, other uh, respiratory illnesses, you know, so a lot of times there's other things that are combining and then that totality uh, becomes a problem. And what we want to do is create a safe place for you to naturally detox, you know, get good rest, have a safe place at home, and then you can go out into the world. We don't want you to live in a bubble, but we just want your home to be more naturally like the outside air so that our bodies are able to deal with it because there's lots of these same contaminants outside. There's mold outside, there's particulates outside, but the concentration is less. And so when the concentration gets really high, even healthy bodies can succumb to it. And yeah. a lot of um, 
a lot of our clients, you know, they may take a lot of extreme steps at home to create a safe place. And then they go to a hotel and they're really reactive. So that hotel might have different cleaning products, different materials that they're using, mold, you know, particulates, whatever it is. And then their body's very reactive to that. And so there's a lot going on, but we have a lot of, um, a lot of people we collaborate with that are actual experts on the human body and deal with the mast cell activation and inflammation yeah. and a lot of the other, you know, physical reactions that the body is having at Hyper, we just tend to focus on the environment. How can we make it more naturally like the outside with concentrations of um, contaminants that are within that more natural balance that you can deal with? Yeah, for sure. You got, you got the solution part of it. <laughs> no, we try yeah, to focus I, on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of guests on the podcast talking about um, mass cell activation, mold toxicity, sure. uh, Lyme. Cause, and, and you know, a lot of my audience is uh, suffering from or has sure. chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So this is huge. Um, and, and I always, I'm always one for decreasing stress no matter what. And with mold toxicity, particularly, you know, it can be really stressful for certain individuals who are like, they find mold under their wall or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, do I have to move? And Absolutely. that's a huge undertaking. Mm -hmm. And so when you can create a safe room in your house, you know, just filter it up, do what you need to do. Like yep. that in itself can really take a large financial burden off. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of um, push back against the, you have to burn your house down and start over kind of yeah. mentality. And that's, that was, I think one of the initial kind of reactions to discovering how serious mold toxicity can be. You know, it's kind of like burn everything you have, all your clothes, all your furniture, all your, all your stuff. Um, but for a lot of people, that want to, number one, that's not possible. You know, it's just not even on the table. Um, and number two, your new home's gonna have mold. So, you know, there are a lot of situations where, yeah, we were gonna say, get out if you can. Um, the cost to deal with how bad your house is, is gonna be, more probably than moving long-term, but a lot of times that's not possible either. And so we have to come up with solutions to mitigate that. Um, but mold is going to be found in essentially hundred percent of homes, but it's how much concentration you have and then finding ways to practically make the indoor environment um, suppressive to mold or to take away the incentives for mold to grow. Yeah. So you want to change the environment. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And yeah, building codes, I mean, they're not, you're building a house and there's rain, there's humidity. Mold is somewhat inevitable, uh, truly. Yep. Now, I do want to shift gears a little bit and, and talk a little bit more about particulate matter and like what that means so that whenever people are looking at these products and they see these terms, you know, what to look for when buying, basically. <laughs> Yeah, uh, our industry is really bad at making things intentionally confusing. I think that's kind of the bottom line. Um, and when it comes to HEPA, so HEPA is going to be more of a buzzword these days, but that's just one of several rating systems for a mechanical filter. So a mechanical filter acts like a chain link fence. You know, it's a physical barrier and physical pieces of things can get caught in that barrier if you use a fan to push it through that barrier. Um, HEPA is a standardized rating system um, based off of 0.03 microns, the most penetrating particle size. Um, a lot of companies will change what they have and call it like super duper HEPA or mega HEPA or whatever, you know, um, but it's it's a literally a, a numerical rating system based off of how effective you are against that one particle size, not larger, not smaller. Um, particles are one of the types of contaminants in your air. The greatest HEPA on earth is not going to affect a VOC or a chemical. So those are just going to go straight through it. Um, with a particle, so a human hair is around 50 to 100 microns in diameter, roughly. Um, our eyes can see down to around 40 microns. Um, the buzzword that you hear of a lot is PM 2.5. So that's 2.5 microns. So again, 50 to 100 microns for hair, 2.5 and smaller is that PM 2.5 category. Once you get into that 2.5 range, that's what starts to get more penetrating to our lungs, passing our natural filters, um, and they can affect us more. They can also stay airborne longer. So 
we're less concerned about a large piece of something in the air because it's going to fall out of the air. Your body's going to be able to filter it. A basic thing's going to be able to filter it. But when they're smaller, that's when it starts to stay airborne longer. And when it comes to something like mold, even if you kill it, like you use UV or something to kill the mold, yeah, a lot of times it's going to fragment. So you have the pieces of mold. It didn't just evaporate. It didn't just get annihilated from existence. You know, it broke into pieces. And those pieces can carry the mycotoxins, which is another kind of more of a buzzword, but I mean, it's really important because like these are the liquid chemicals. I think of them as the sweat of the mold and that's not accurate at all, but it makes sense to me. Um, and so these fragments carry that sweat and sometimes it leaves like a kind of a snail slime behind on a surface, but a lot of times it's the particles that carry them. And so you want to find some way to get those particles out of the air. Um, so yeah, particles can mean a lot of things. So smoke's going to have particles and chemicals. Um, a cigarette can have somewhere out in the realm of 7,000 types of VOCs and particulates. And then particles can get really, really, really small. So not point, point microns, not zero, 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 five microns. It gets very, very small. We're in the nanomicron level. Um, a lot of the particulates we're looking at. Gotcha. Okay. And all these things are super hard to comprehend because you can't see them. It's very difficult to measure these things. And so it, it this is where it starts to get complicated, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And you started mentioning like HEPA filters. Can we get into a little bit more of that and talk about all the different filters out there and yep. you know, strengths, weaknesses, stuff like that? Yep. So I think the, the most important thing to realize about HEPA is it's only effective on the air that's being forced through it. So air is a lot like water. Um, water is going to go through like the path of least resistance. Air doesn't want to go through the hard filter, you know, and the nicer the filter is, the denser it is, the more you have to force the air through it. Um, when you have a small fan, a fan like this big, maybe it's bigger, the smaller it is, the faster it has to run to force the air through something and the louder it gets. And so the ceiling fan behind you that's turned off, um, that might move around 4,000 CFM of air, cubic feet per minute of air. Um, if you look at how the air moves in your room, not all the air lines up to go through that ceiling fan. It's stirring the air. A $1,000 HEPA air purifier probably moves 500 CFM on turbo speed. And it sounds like a jet engine. So it's not just the quality of the HEPA, but it's the noise that you can stand and how much air it's pushing through it. So one yeah. of the things at Hypeware that we're trying to kind of focus on more, not everyone has a central air system. But in your room, not to pick on you, sorry, but I also see some vents in the background. So I don't know exactly what that is, um, but that system probably moves in the realm of 2,400 CFM on silent. It's so you basically can barely hear it. And so the filter in your HVAC system we see as more impactful than having a bunch of really expensive HEPA air purifiers in the rooms. Because a lot of times what we see is the HEPA air purifiers end up being run on silent mode which is moving very, very little air. So is it beneficial? Yes. Is there a place for it? Absolutely. And we mentioned earlier, if you're going to do anything, start with the bedroom and try to create a safe place there. And sometimes that's the best bet is just lock down in the bedroom, go all in on the bedroom and try to get as much airflow as you can stand going through filters and other technologies. But with a lot of the HEPA units out there, you're just spending so much money that almost no one can afford this on a large scale. When your HVAC is moving 10 times as much air and they've got the cheapest Home Depot filter you can buy. True. Yeah. So we, see, we see that as like a really low hanging fruit. Don't even buy it from us. We have, we have, we have whole home filters, but just go to home, home Depot, buy a nicer filter, get carbon in there. And now you're, now you're going to be better. Now you can't go too dense with the filter in your HVAC or you restrict the airflow, but there's ways to get around that. And from a, how you're going to build buildings in the future, I think your home can have HEPA grade air filtration with next to no electricity added cost. Oh, wow. wow. So. Yeah. And I wanted to, since you are bringing up airflow, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the HVAC system and even like, you know, good practices for things like ceiling fans and maybe if you have mold, stuff like that. So airflow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and, uh, yeah, so airflow is big. Um, so HEPA again is a standardized system. Um, so H E P A 
um, it goes up to H14. Once you go behind, beyond that, it's not super duper mega HEPA. It becomes U15. So it's a ULPA filter. And so I think that's one of the problems is a lot of companies tend to have like an H13, which is high-ish grade HEPA. It's like a medical grade, but it's not H14. It's not U15. It's not U16. It's not U17. But this H13 is now the super duper greatest HEPA on earth. And it's just not, it's not true. Um, and at the same time, you don't necessarily want to go out and find a ULPA filter that has low airflow because then you're being very, very, very efficient with the air that's going through it, but you're moving only so little air. Yeah. And then we talked to a lot of clients where they, they put out a lot of money and they don't have a lot of money and it's costing them like $500 a year more in filters and they can't sustain it. And so you've got the upkeep for something like HEPA. And that's where we see in a bedroom, if someone is symptomatic, you know, you're really reactive. That's where it makes sense. Go on Amazon, compare specs for specs. So the CADR, clean air delivery rate or CFM, the noise, and then the cost, and then the grade of HEPA. So you want to look for a number. Don't look for any marketing adjectives, just number like an H11, H12, H13, H14. Gotcha. Gotcha. What are, what are the good practices with airflow, with a ceiling fan, with an HVAC system, if that's what somebody has? If you have a central air system, so if you have an HVAC or ceiling fan, it's going to depend on what we're trying to do. So like what the goals are. Um, but if you just look at mold, uh, mold is going to be prone to grow on damp surfaces. So, uh, we have an article on our site and all of our articles are free. We have like over 200 articles on very nerdy niche topics. But um, if you just look at ventilation alone, so no filtration, yeah. you're helping circulate the humidity, help dry out surfaces. If you're building microchips, then no. But like in a home, we see more ventilation as being a benefit. And yeah. sometimes for people that don't have a lot of money, um, where it's like literally you just, you can't move, your landlord doesn't care. You don't have the funds. Ventilation is going to be one of your best bets to help uh, dry out surfaces. And sometimes bringing in fresh air is going to be the, one of the best ways to deal with it. Um, but more circulation in general is going to be a beneficial thing for the house. And when it comes to your HVAC system, most, I think that's accurate. A lot of thermostats and newer thermostats have a fan only setting. It seems like the majority, but um, there are older ones that don't. The fan only setting is going to use the blower. So the fan, it's not going to be cooling or heating the air, but that blower going 24 seven is going to be pumping air through the filter. So you can get good quality filter. And that blower is maybe going to cost on the high end, $10 a month in electricity. And you're moving 50 times more than a HEPA air purifier, you know, and in reality, um, Turbo speed of a HEPA versus your HVAC system, it's probably like a one to 10 ratio. And so that fan does not cost a lot of electricity. It's when you're heating or cooling the house, that's where the energy comes in. So we see that as like a totally missed opportunity, you know, getting a greater quality um, amount of ventilation. Yeah, no, for sure. I love those tips mm -hmm. and I'm glad I asked yeah. that. And then we, we have technologies that are going to modify the HVAC system further to have other benefits, but just from like, don't buy anything from anybody. You just turn your fans on more. It can help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now what, what else, aside from HEPA, what do we need to know to really set the stage for, you know, your technology as far as like carbon, um, all these different uh, PCO photocatalytic oxidation, things like that. Let's, let's start diving into that. Yeah, so HEPA is going to be the buzzword because companies found out that people trusted HEPA and, and so they started putting HEPA on everything. Um, but um, uh, so HEPA is one type of technology. Um, your HVAC system is going to have a very similar type of technology. It's like a pleated filter, which is like um, it's got hills and valleys, um, and that's to increase surface area. HEPA is a, a standardized system. For your HVAC, it's probably a MERV rating. Um, but at certain MERV levels, it's going to be very comparable to HEPA. It's just how they measure it. Um, Home Depot has their own system, I think. I, I forget which one it is. It just 
again, intentionally confusing, but um, doing a little Googling, you can, you can try to figure it out. But um, so the physical filters, it's going to stop the big particles. Um, They don't kill things. They don't deal with chemicals. Anything that's of the right particle size can penetrate the HEPA. As the HEPA gets contaminated, it becomes less efficient. It takes more, more pressure to push air through it. And it's also not going to affect anything like in another room. So if mold is growing in your master bedroom and you've got a super nice HEPA in your, uh, sorry, in your master bathroom and you have a HEPA in the master bedroom, the mold can continue to grow and spread in the bedroom, in the bathroom. And your HEPA is going to try to act like a vacuum for the air in your bedroom to try to keep you from breathing in the spores, which is a good thing. Um, but then the spores can get trapped in the HEPA, continue to grow in the HEPA potentially, and then they can continue to spread in the bathroom. So it's it's a tool, but it's not the complete tool for every situation. Um, and again, it can be cost prohibitive to do it on any scale in a house. Um, so that's why we see, you know, spending an extra, you know, 10, $20 a quarter for your entire house's filter. We see that having a bigger impact in general um, outside of the bedroom. And then, so something like carbon. So most plug-in air purifiers are gonna combine HEPA with carbon. So carbon is gonna act like a sponge for chemicals. So that'd be things that are off-gassing, like off-gassing paint smells or odors from cooking or something. So those are gonna be absorbed by the carbon. Carbon's a good technology. Probably the biggest disadvantage that we see is that you don't know when it's full. And so um, if you have, so like we recommend carbon for the HVAC. If you have a wildfire outside, it doesn't matter if you have three months left on your carbon's lifespan, you probably need to change it out because it could have absorbed all the chemicals from that wildfire and now it's full. Um, So just another thing to be aware of is that as of now, there isn't a great way to know when the carbon is full. Um, and so it can be costly on scale to really do it that way. So then those are the two most standardized technologies, a physical filter plus carbon to absorb chemicals. The next one that's probably most common is UV. Um, so a bulb that is putting out some wavelength of UV light that is germicidal. So like UVC um, is probably the most common. And so that's where it's a light is going to shine on something. And the closer something is to it, the more powerful it is. So UV requires proximity, direct line of sight, and contact time, if that makes sense. So as things pass through the filter, it has to shine on it, it has to shine close to it, and it has to shine on it for a sufficient amount of time. With something like a mold spore or bacteria or virus, that UV light can kill it. So it's like sunlight, Um, but it still hasn't, say, don't done anything with the particles. So the fragments of it, it can kill, it can suppress. Um, it's been used in the HVAC commercial space probably for 40 years at this point. Um, and so you can shine it on things like the cooling coils to help suppress mold growth. But again, it requires direct line of sight. And then those bulbs will probably last for two years, maybe three years. And so you have to change out the bulbs. Um, probably a more... Um, uh, contentious technology is ozone. So ozone use for the air, you know, you can use ozone for a lot of things, including, you know, directly into, you know, ozone blood and all kinds of stuff, but ozone in the air. Um, our mentality is that if you're starting to introduce something in unnatural levels, that's where you're going to have unintended consequences. And especially with people that have sensitivities, we find that they're extra sensitive to ozone. That makes sense. So if you go on a mountain in Alaska or Yosemite, you're going to breathe ozone, but it's a very, very small amount. If you have too much oxygen in your air, it can become toxic. That's never an issue in a home. But if we start just pumping our homes with oxygen, you'd have a um, a fire hazard for one thing, but um, there there could be a point where it became toxic. Um, So with ozone, you have to have such a high concentration to have a benefit that we see that it has the negative of being very reactive and obviously has some um, proven problems on our bodies once it gets to those higher concentrations. But to us, it's way before it gets to those dangerous levels that people with sensitivities are going to be like, I can't stand this. <laughs> you know, like it's oh, wow. like, even before. You know, it's, yeah, way before. Yeah. It's just the odor, just trace amounts of ozone even can be very um, 
triggering for people that we know, um, our clients that, that have mold toxicity issues. That's not true of everybody. Some people love, you know, the smell of ozone. Like they love it, you know? Um, and so like, again, that, that's a, that's a, another option. So something like ozone can interact with something like a mold in the environment and kill it. Um, if it has sufficient concentration, we have used ozone primarily in places like casinos where there's a really high, high concentration of chemicals. And that's where ozone can interact with those chemicals. And the ozone concentration actually isn't building up, but it's breaking down the chemicals. Um, but we don't, we don't use ozone at all for residential applications. Um, another technology is ionization. Um, ionization in the air purifier space almost exclusively refers to negative oxygen ionization. Um, but that's very limiting because if you go outside, there's all kinds of ionization taking place. Um, copper ionization. Um, I mean, there's so much taking place just naturally in the environment. Um, what we use at Hypor is we use polar ionization. So the positive hydrogen and the negative oxygen. The problem that we see with negative oxygen only is that one, it's not natural. If you go outside, you're going to find both polarities. But then two, um, it can lead to a static buildup. So if you're only producing negative in the environment, it creates a bubble of static. And so it doesn't have a long uh, impact. It has a, a very close range impact. And then it tends to cascade into creating ozone. So an ionizer will say it's producing negative oxygen, but it tends to end up creating O3 ozone in that process. Um, so one of the technologies we use is the polar ionization where we split water into the positive hydrogen, negative oxygen, and that's non-ozone producing and non-static producing. So it's a different type of ionization. Um, another one you mentioned was PCO. So photocatalytic oxidation uh, was originally developed by NASA for deep space missions to deal with ethylene gas produced by growing produce. And so if you look outside, which is what Hyper likes to do, <laughs> what's happening? Um, if you see sunlight reacting with um, minerals in the air, it creates hydroxyl radicals in the troposphere. And those hydroxyl radicals are considered the detergent of the atmosphere. So as chemicals come up, hydroxyl radicals rip them apart. They're very, very reactive. And so PCO devices mimic that. So they can have a UV light and shine on a titanium dioxide catalyst. There's other catalyst types, but that's the most common. And it creates okay. hydroxyl radicals on the surface. Um, those are very uh, potent against chemicals and biological contaminants, but they only exist on the surface because they're so reactive. Um, okay, so, mm -hmm. you know, whenever they react on the titanium dioxide, I believe you said catalyst, it's only if the air comes in contact with that surface that yep. that would actually be effective, those hydroxyl radicals. Yep. And then there could be other um, byproducts of that, intentional or unintentional, uh, but oftentimes they can produce at least trace ozone because the UV bulbs tend to produce ozone. Okay. Okay. And then for the audience listening, can you give us some examples of like – I always like chemical structure or, or like the chemical composition of a hydroxyl radical. Do you have any insight you could provide on that? Yeah, it's just a HO. Yeah. Okay. And then. Yeah, that's the, those are the, the, the two molecules. And then, so they want to be, they want to bind with something else really quickly. So okay. a lot of times they're going to basically rip the carbon from other molecules or hydrogen. <laughs> and that's how it um, like kills or disrupts these mm -hmm. chemicals in the air and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, with the chemical, it's going to break them down. So typically it's going to break them down into H2O and CO2. Gotcha. And then with other, other contaminants, is it effective as well? That's particular one. Uh, not against particulates in general. So not against like dust. It's not going to, you know, yeah, sure. But like laser uh, it or something like that, but some like a, a, a mold spore or something it could kill. Um, so it can uh, disrupt the cell membrane. Oh, cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then I wanted to back up, um, with the ionization too. Could you explain a little bit more about like that process and how that does the same thing, but you know, in its own way, the negative oxygen ionization. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a few ways to create ions. Um, 
various ones out there that are basically you're forcing uh, the charge out into the air in a simplified version. And um, you're going to be ionizing the air in a way. Um, and so if you're producing just the negative oxygen ionization, then you have a bunch of uh, that polarity out there. And there's all kinds of ionization that us as a species are looking into, including for like space flight and everything. Um, there's ionization that you can use or uh, electrostatic filters. So there's different ways that you can use this where you can like charge different plates with different you know, charges and then have things attracting to one charge versus, you know, another, um, a lot of like the store brought store bought, um, purifiers though are using probably needle point ionization of some sort where you have some material, typically some type of metal that you're running a charge to, and it goes to a single point, and then that's producing the, the ions at that point um, in the gotcha. air. And then those those ions theoretically could travel throughout the environment. Um, a lot of times what happens is it kind of creates clouds or pockets of ions, especially with the negative ionization, because it's going to tend to create a, a static bubble around where the product is producing it. And that can lead to like, um, I think it's called black wall syndrome, where if you have a, an ionizer near a wall, the wall is going to turn, start to turn black. And it's because it's just it give it a static charge. It's all the stuff is just sticking to it. Yeah. Yeah. So is, what does the ion, what does it do? You kind of just, you kind of just said it with these particles sticking to it or these contaminants sticking to it. But what does it do specifically to like, say mold spore or chemical? Um, so a negative ion and positive ions can have different impacts on something okay. like that. Um, and yes, it can kill various particles. Um, so like with our polar ionization, um, I'll, I'll speak a little bit more to that, but like with all po with our polar ionization, our most affordable little unit, to our knowledge, was the first air purifier in the world tested against the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus, um, so the COVID-19 virus, um, because we had it tested as a, a surface disinfectant, like from a laboratory perspective. And so it was able to actually steal the hydrogen from the protein spikes. So a virus is not alive, which I do not understand. I've read about it a bunch of times. I still don't get that. Um, but a virus um, will no longer be in uh, it'll no longer be able to infect somebody if you break down the protein spikes. So you're basically breaking it down. Yeah. Um, something like mold, you're technically killing bacteria, you're technically killing. Um, but a virus is a weird one. <laughs> the viruses are a strange thing. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so it's able to disable a virus. Okay. That makes mm -hmm. sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Are there any other technologies built into your guys's devices that we haven't covered yet? Um, we use a few other types of things, um, from, you know, materials, um, to sprays. Um, so air purification has a lot of different forms. And so some of it is source control. So like we have nanofiber window screens, um, that have like an electrostatic property to them. So where there's no charge there, but they're able to, you know, um, attach to particles, um, and you know, particles are attached to them. It's kind of like how spider webs work. So spider webs, you know, they actually reach out and grab particles um, of different polarities. Um, we also are big fans of materials like copper or lime. Um, we use a isolated iodine and copper based spray um, for some applications. Um, in the air purification space, you know, we've covered a lot of them, but then there's variations of them, including things like cold catalysts um, that you, for like formaldehyde filters. But, you know, those, those are some of the big ones that we focus on um, because we see them as the most impactful and affordable. So with air quality, it's not just does it work, but is it practical in the real world? And for a home, you know, you have to be able to do it in a way that's relatively easy to install, easy to maintain, and it can still have a big impact. So there's lots of variations of those, including like with ours, um, our PCO uses a proprietary catalyst. So we don't use just titanium dioxide. There's a lot of different materials in there and then a different methods that we use to apply that. So there's lots of variations, but those are some of the big categories that we look at. 
For sure. No, that was really helpful. For somebody just getting started into all of this and wanting to, maybe they live in an apartment, maybe they live in a home. Can we talk about, you know, a couple of things, how geography, climate really affects the indoor environment and then how, you know, apartment versus home, neighbors, stuff like that. You kind of touched on some of this at the beginning, but then also where someone should start, you know, mm-hmm. should they get an air test or just move straight to these technologies? Yeah. Let's, let's dive into all of that. If we can. Yeah, for sure. And at least from like Hypeware's perspective, we'd probably recommend that you reach out to us because we're big on individualized recommendations and kind of talking. That. Through that. Um, and we've been doing this for about, you know, 15 years or so. And I think almost without fail, every week we hear a new story and, like yeah. significantly new. It's like, whoa, we've never heard of something like that before. Um, and so uh, that that has that's helped us because then we hear like what's actually going on in your world and what how would you ad- deal with that? So, I mean, I think the biggest step is education, not so much testing. Um, okay. When it comes to mold, we're big fans of humidity sensors. So those cost about $5. And so you can do some of your own moisture inventories of your house. A testing of air can be beneficial, but often for quality testing, it's going to cost more than the mitigation. And so if you're in an apartment and you have to prove to your landlord or to you know some higher authority or a spouse or somebody that this is a thing, then um, you know doing air quality samples of mold, sending them to a lab uh, could make sense. Um, but that might cost, you know, $300. Um, if you're in a place like Florida and you have high humidity, we don't think there's any point really. Um, cause you know, you've got mold. Um, so it's like, let's just focus on mitigation. So I think the biggest thing is, is education, you know, educating yourself, you know, learning about your own structure, you know, where there's leaks, where there's pockets of humidity, does the exhaust fan in the bathroom work? Do you use it? Does it go up and into the wall? Does it go into an attic? Um, you know, we have clients where it's like they've got a teenage daughter that showers twice a day for a long time, <laughs> always wet. So it's like yeah. there's no, no point testing for mold there. You see the mold, you know why the mold's there. Let's deal with it. <laughs> um, so like a lot of it is educating yourself on your home. A lot of these things, I think people understand um, – I don't know if subconscious is the right word, but you, you have like this innate understanding of some of how the air feels in different rooms, or you open a window here and you have to open a window, you know, across the way uh, to create that cross flow. And so there's, there's a lot of things that you, you may know, but then now you're connecting the dots on how those actually impact in your, your environment. Um, so yeah, education is the big one. And then understanding how the air is changing outside throughout the day, throughout the seasons, where you live and how that could affect you. But yeah, we have we have lots and lots of free articles on our site where you can take like essentially inventories of your own house or you put on your like building inspector hat and you kind of look at your house from the eye of a building inspector to look for problems. And then yeah. you're going to be addressing those. And then, of course, your body is a whole different story. You know how you could be interacting with different contaminants in the home. And I mean you might've bought a home from somebody that didn't smoke who bought a home from somebody that did smoke and the home was smoked in 20 years ago and it's still off gassing. We have clients like that. Oh my um, gosh. Wow. It's like, there's things like that. You never expected. <laughs> um, we have, um, I remember one client, she's got like a platinum lead certified new home in Florida, like top of the line, like energy efficient, fully contaminated with mold within months. Um, their HVAC system was just set up really poorly. Um, attic has black mold everywhere. The entire thing is mold. They had to move out. It just, it's just rough. And so there's lots of situations like that where it's like, okay, now we got to deal with that scenario. Um, all of this can be really overwhelming. So circling back to what you said earlier, but let's start with the bedroom, you know, start with, you know, where you sleep, what you sleep on, you know, what's under your bed. You know, like we, we know people that, there is mold under the carpet, under their bed. And so it's like, sometimes it's focusing on that bedroom is one of the best things you can do. A lot of people might have a shared HVAC system where maybe you have no control of it. Maybe you're renting, maybe you're in a dorm, maybe you're in a, 
you know, um, high rise in New York or something. And every time the air comes on, it smells like an old man or it smells like something weird. Um, that may or may not be mold. Um, maybe something chemical, maybe old, maybe dust, but you focus in on your bedroom. Maybe you put filters over the vents, even if you have to, which is more of like a band-aid approach. Um, but like you do what you can to kind of create a safe place in that bedroom. Um, on the flip side though, you don't want to seal up your home super tight. You know, I know people that saran wrap their vents closed and, you know, cut off all airflow and they're in like a, a high rise. And it's like, I know you're trying to help, yeah. but you're actually trapping things inside. And then there's nothing that's getting you fresh air or dealing with the contaminants. So for a lot of people, opening the window is going to be the best thing, but sometimes you can't um, either because of weather you know, it's super, super cold or super, super hot outside or by contaminants, what's outside. So it just varies so much. I wish there was like a super simple answer, but yeah, educating yourself on where you live, like how your home was made and the potential problems that you have. And even, even like just, you know, we use the term HVAC. A lot of people don't even know that term, you know, the air coming out of your vents, you know, there's, you know, things that make that happen. And a lot of us were never educated on how that works or what's going on behind there. And I know personally people with multi-million dollar homes that have either never changed their filter in their HVAC or have the cheapest possible filters you can get at Home Depot, or their HVAC is just contaminated with mold and they don't know it because they just never think about it. Um, and so sometimes just doing a little digging yourself can save a lot of money um, because sadly there's, there's a huge range of like mold inspector people and air quality inspector people. Some are awesome. Like we've seen some reports where the guy just went super deep on the house, gave fantastic recommendations. And then we've seen other ones that cost them $2,500 and it's, Hey, you've got mold. Sorry. Good luck. Um, and it's like, what did they do? Like, there's nothing, there's nothing actionable um, from this. And so uh, I think starting is just educating yourself. Yeah. As much yeah. as you can. Yeah. And there's, there's not going to be an easy answer either. There's going to be a lot of, a. uh, conflicting opinions and suggestions and you just got to dig into that and, and try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. no, perfect sense. So I know you approach each situation very kind of individually, which makes a lot of sense as well, but say somebody comes to you and is like, you know, I just want to clean up my air. Like, mm -hmm. you know, just in general, they don't have yep. any super yep. pertinent problems. What devices do you typically steer them towards, maybe they have a little bit of a budget. Yeah. And, and I also want to touch on, you know, all the devices you do have so that the audience is aware. Sure. And probably around 30 to 50% of our clients are in that bucket where it's okay. just, uh, you know, moving to a new house, whatever, whatever part of the journey they're at, uh, got a new kid or, I'm a biohacker bio and I just want to optimize my performance or my sleep or just want to be preventative. Like, so we, we have a bunch of people that fall into that category where it's like, well, there's not really any major problems and I don't really know of any specific goals. I just want, you know, better air. And, and so like probably our first question is, do you have central air? Cause if you do, that's all we're going to recommend is just making sure your central air system is working properly, that you're preventing mold. Um, with our technology, it's going to install on the blower, so magnetically attaches and basically convert your HVAC system into an air purifier. And then that way you don't have to have any plug-in units at all. Um, now there's lots of reasons why you would have plug-in units, even if you have an HVAC. Maybe you have a garage that's outside of the envelope and the, the attached garage is one of the biggest sources of contaminants in your house. Um, lots of chemicals, ignition of the the car. Um, it's just very proven. So like maybe you have a plug-in unit in your garage or your basement or your office or something. Um, but if you have central air, we're going to recommend that as being the most effective and affordable way to purify the air throughout a home. Um, our technology has no replacement parts for life. So once you get it in there, you're basically good to go. And then whenever the blower is on and running that blower more often, is going to be a big impact. Then you're purifying the air throughout the home. A 2,000 square foot home could have one HVAC system or it could have three or it could have five. Um, so it, there's, it's not always the perfect option. Um, but if you had one HVAC system, a single unit would cover the entire house. And so from that perspective, it's a lot more efficient. The other advantages of that is the further away a fan is from you, the quieter it is. Makes pretty 
obvious sense. Um, the larger it is, the more air can move with less noise as well. So that's why the ceiling fan behind you works really well. It's really wide. Or if you go to Costco or something, they've got these giant, like, I don't know, 15 foot wingspan um, ceiling fans. They can move really slow, but move a lot of air. So your HVAC system can move a whole lot more air than a bunch of plug-in units and be a lot quieter. So at Hypeware, we're looking at primarily air quality, but we're also looking at your entire environment. So adding noise pollution is not a good thing either. So we don't want a bunch of noise in your house. We don't want a bunch of light. Uh, for those folks that are more concerned with EMF, the further away electronics are from you, the better too. Um, so like the HVAC has a lot of advantages. Not everyone has that. And so from that point, now you're looking at plug-in units and there's no plug-in unit in your kitchen that's going to adequately purify the air in the bedroom. It just doesn't work that way. It would have to be like a jet engine um, or it'd have to be pumping out a ton of ozone or something like that. Um, it just doesn't work. So you have to have multiple smaller units. Or if you're in an apartment that has maybe an HVAC system, but you don't want to install there, potentially you can plug in a unit near the HVAC where it intakes the air. Or in the case of, I just had a client in Singapore with kind of a, an unusual setup where um, she had three um, window mounted HVACs. Um, so like basically single rooms and super, super, super high humidity. And so in that case, we were going to recommend putting a plug-in unit near the intake for those window mounted units because those window mounted units could be growing mold. And so you want to address that, but then leverage the airflow of those units um, to purify the air throughout the home. So there's some kind of hybrid approaches, but yeah, in general, you're going to go to the central air or individual rooms. And in the individual rooms, you're going to have plug-in units of some variety. And, um, but to back all that up, it may be too much to go over the whole house. Start with the bedrooms, you know, start with your kid's room, start with your, um, and then go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Now all of your, are all of your plug-in units the same or are they like different levels of technology? Yeah, I mean, yeah so like our, our mold guard is the smallest unit and that's for smaller rooms. Um, so like a hundred square feet. Um, we have something called Air Angel. It's about three times as powerful um, and for three times the coverage. So it does have a second technology in there that's facilitating more chemical removal, which is really important, for, especially for travel or vehicles. So originally we developed the Air Angel for those applications. You know, you're on the road, you're in a boat, you're in an RV, you're in a hotel room, you're in an office. A lot of times in those environments, you can't control the chemicals that are in the environment. In your house, you have a bit more control. You know, the detergents you use, the cleaning products you use, you know, the paint you use. You go to a hotel room, you know, not as much. So that does have, so the mold guard has the polarization only with optional HEPA and carbon. The Air Angel has the polarization plus the APCO, which is the advanced version of the PCO technology. And that PCO type technology gives a lot more chemical control. And so that's why if you're going to a hotel room, our first favorite tip is to ask the hotel if they have hypoallergenic options, because we've worked with a lot of really, really high-end hotels and not so high-end hotels. And the norm is that they only do it for a few rooms because they're cheap. And so they don't want to do it for the whole hotel and they don't want to tell people they didn't do it for the whole hotel. So they do it for a floor or a few rooms. And then for anyone that's a problem, you know, us, and they ask like, do you have any room that doesn't smell like chemicals or mold? And then we're like, okay, yeah, we have these rooms over here that have different cleaning products, different materials. Maybe they have a HEPA purifier in there. Maybe they, they have our technology installed, but a lot of times they don't advertise them. And that's just because they want to save money and they don't want to make it seem like the rest of the hotel is dirty. So they don't want like, oh, here are the clean rooms and here's the dirty rooms. So they just give everyone these rooms. And then if someone asks, they have these other rooms. And so you ask first, but if they don't have that, um, you're going to a hotel room, plug in the Air Angel, go out to dinner, give it time to work. Um, that hotel room might be 10 times as contaminated as your house. It might be more contaminated than the Air Angel has the power to handle in a short time. But you want to give it time to work to reduce the concentration levels um, because we've used multi-thousand dollar VOC sensors and the highest VOCs we've ever measured is in a hotel room after cleaning. So a lot of times hotel rooms can be very contaminated 
And we also have commercial sized versions of these units that are used on maid service carts. And sometimes like a hotel might have a hundred of them. And normally they use it for while the maid is cleaning, they plug the unit in, helps decontaminate the room. But then some hotel rooms are so dirty, they'll put three units in there for over 24 hours because, I mean, they had a party there. They smoked marijuana all weekend. They were cooking over an open fire in the hotel room. I mean, like it's like all kinds of crazy stuff. So the hotel rooms can have this huge spectrum of contaminants. And so the best option is to get a cleaner room, which doesn't mean price tag, but just like a cleaner room. And then the second option is to give the air angel time to work and to kind of create that safer place where you're sleeping. I love that. That was a great tip too. even just the idea of asking for a hypoallergenic room. I didn't even know you could do that. That's yeah. some of them have literally just have, you know, HEPA air purifiers of various qualities available and they'll bring you one or they have different rooms where they use different cleaning products um, or different bedding, you know, hypoallergenic materials. So it just depends. And it, it doesn't matter the price tag. There's super, super expensive hotels that do nothing. And then there's like moderate hotels that do. Um, so it just depends. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And your devices, that plug-in is very small. Like it's totally travel friendly. Yeah. The Air Angel is about two pounds and oh, it's wow. like awesome. maybe like that big. Um, and so we have some people that even use them on airplanes. You know, you do have to plug them in. They're not battery powered. Um, oh, there's no nice. batteries that are, you know, real practical for this. Um, the battery would weigh more than the unit. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's just the type of voltage that's used. But um uh, yeah, so they are very compact as long as it has power. Um, we do have car, car adapters too. Um, so that'd be more for, you know, the car is a totally different conversation too. Cause you know, you could have a car with just as bad air quality issues as your home and then some, um, and you could have a car that's parked outside in the snow and you got a, you know, it sits there for a week and then you get in it to go to work. And it's like, that's just not a good scenario. Um, and a lot of times it's not practical to turn the car on and let the air angel run for an hour or something. It's just not like, it's not practical. So, um, so there's lots of scenarios there. Um, if you have a car parked in a garage, you could roll the windows down and run the air angel, you know, all the time. Um, so like there's, there's ways to do it, but yeah, vehicles have, you know, HVAC systems, vehicles have, you know, the road exhaust, the pollutants, the chemicals, yeah. like, I mean, New car smell, I think probably everyone realizes now is just chemicals uh, off gassing. So, um, so like, yeah, cars have just as, just the same kinds of contaminants that a home does. And if you have kids like me, they might smell, spill a milkshake like down between the car cracks or something. So you have all kinds of stuff that goes on there. Um, and so you got to deal with those too. But um, yeah, so for the home, our two plug-in units right now, um, and we've had a variety of ones over the years and Right now, we've just kind of slimmed it down to those two, the Mold Garden Air Angel. And then for the HVAC system, we have the whole home system. But then we have a variety of other complementary products. So we have the whole home filters, you know, various, any size, you know, custom sizes, various MERV ratings plus carbon. So we, we're big believers in that for the HVAC. And then we have things like, you know, the window screens, because we have a lot of clients that, that is the only way they cool their house. Um, and if you're going to be bringing air in from outside, typically that air is significantly cleaner than the indoor air, but that can change a lot. And it depends on what's around you and the time of day and what's going on outside. So we have a variety of window based solutions and we're coming out with more. Um, so we've got nanofiber screens that are transparent. They replace the insect screens or go on top of them. And we also have like accordion style filters that will fit into the window. You can't see through those. But for some windows, that's the easier thing to do. You open a window, put the filter in it, kind of close the window. You create a cross flow somehow in your house, you know, using exhaust fans, you open another window. So you're pulling air through the filter. So there's just different options there. And then we have cleaning products, you know, to reduce the source of chemicals. You know, we're, we're trying to go after some of the big companies that are, you know, spraying synthetic scents into the air. Yeah. So with our products, you can actually break down the chemicals and break down the odors. And then you're adding no VOCs and no fragrance. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much about not only like your products and everything, but just the technology behind all of this and really why it's such 
an issue pertinent and very important in today's society. So thank you for coming on. Absolutely. And we, again, we have like 200 articles on all these like niche issues. And a lot of those are recommending other companies that we have nothing to do with other types of products, you know, types of paints or things that you can do yourself, um, you know, projects at home or how to choose remediators and that's all free. So, you know, it's, it's all available. And then, um, if you go to hypeware.com slash consult, you can schedule a phone call with one of us to talk through your unique scenarios and get recommendations. That's free too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cause I, I have a large audience who, who has had mold in their past. So this is, this is perfect. So thank you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And thank you to our audience for tuning in today. We're really glad that you did. And I know that you'll absolutely love this episode just as much as I did. So Thank you again, and we'll see you in the next one. The content provided by the Synthesis of Wellness LLC via its podcast and domain is for informational purposes only and should not be used as medical advice or as a replacement for medical care. The Synthesis of Wellness podcast, synthesisofwellness.com, the Synthesis of Wellness LLC, and Chloe Porter disclaim responsibility from adverse effects resulting from using the content provided. Please seek and consult a licensed physician for your health and medical needs. Furthermore, Chloe Porter and the Synthesis of Wellness podcast are not responsible for the opinions of guests featured on the podcast.